You guys enjoying all this cold weather out there? It felt like spring this week when it was in the 50s. I was like, I literally walked outside. I was like, why do I not have shorts on? I should, I should really have shorts on. Well, one of the things you uh, know about Bethany is this, is Bethany has an incredibly rich history. And, and the history really goes beyond uh, just here in Adrian, but actually goes across uh, the United States, across the world. And uh, this morning we have the privilege of having a guest speaker with us this morning, but um, though he is a guest, he is not, um, he grew up here at Bethany. Uh, this is where he learned many of uh, his good habits and uh, probably learned some of his bad habits from his mom. Um, no, I'm sure they were good habits. But, um, but uh, one of the things I love so much is that Bethany has such an incredibly rich heritage from missionaries that are around the world to pastors that are serving around our country to now having the privilege of having um, Doug Clay, who is the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Now, if you don't, yeah, now a few of you know how big of a deal that is, and a few of you don't. <laughs> um, now, one of the things I can tell you about being a part of the Assemblies of God is not only is it a privilege to be a part of the Assemblies of God, but uh, the Assemblies of God is, is very large. We have over 367,000 Assemblies of God churches around the world. There are 68 and a half million adherents, people who go to the Assemblies of God church. Think about that, 68 and a half million people who are a part of the Assemblies of God church. And we have the privilege this morning of having um, one of Bethany's incredibly finest uh, pastor. He has a pastor's heart. He's an incredible leader. It's been a privilege for me to get to know him throughout the years. And uh, I would love it if you would give a big, warm Bethany welcome to Pastor Doug Clay. Thanks. Fun, fun to be on your turn. Praise the Lord. Good morning, good morning. Thanks. Uh, please, please, you can be seated. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. We can rejoice and are glad in it. And uh, aren't you thankful for a life-giving church that you can come and be a part of? Aren't you thankful for a church that's inviting people to take one more step to get closer? And I'll tell you, it's working because at the end of the first service this morning, four people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ for the very first time. So... That's, that's awesome, and that's really the purpose and the value of the local church, and I just want to say thank you. It's quite emotional for me to be back here, because I, I tell people all around the world, literally, that I was, I was raised by the church, and every major impacting, eternal event in my life took place in the church. I was dedicated as a baby in the church, I was born again in the church, I was water baptized in the church, I was spirit baptized in the church, I was, received my call into ministry in the church, and it's so cool to see that the, the church works. And I gotta tell you, Bethany has had a major, major impact, not only on people's lives, but our fellowship. You know, great churches, great churches, great churches don't happen accidentally. It takes the favor of the Lord. It takes a group of people like you that understand we're not just a sort of a religious fraternity and a clique to meet, but it also takes called and capable leadership. 
And I can tell you, on behalf of the Assemblies of God, when it comes to called and capable leadership, you have the best sitting right down there in terms of Pastor Brian and Kasha. So I want to say thank you guys. Thank you for uh, saying yes to the Lord, and thank you for the preferred future that this church has and uh, as you're going to lead it. But I do need to make an appeal to somebody here today that uh, if there's anybody that could take my mom under her or their wing and try to do some work with her, I'd appreciate that. 86-year-old mom, I tell stories on her quite a bit across the fellowship. And so when I knew I was coming, uh, Miss Nicole called and said, now do you want to stay? I said, oh yeah, I'll stay with my mom, no problem. And so she came and picked us up and she announced proudly last night, now honey, now honey, I went out to country market and I've bought a lot of good things for you to have when you're at the house. And I, okay, things are looking good here. And so the this morning we came down and there was some oatmeal and there was some fruit that was cut up and I noticed there was a thing of uh, yogurt in the refrigerator. Yogurt in the refrigerator. Ah, oh, mom, I'll have a little of that yogurt. But my mom has this habit. I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it's widowhood, I don't know what it, but sometimes expiration dates are not important to her, if you know what I mean. So I said, mom, is that, oh honey, honey, that's very good. Yogurt never goes bad. Yogurt never goes bad. So I dumped a bunch of this yogurt out and had some fruit and granola, and I took a bite. And I am telling you, the atmosphere changed. I'm just telling you. I said, Ma, oh, it's, it won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. I've been eating it all week. And I'm going, well, that's your issues right there. So I looked. The expiration said like 12-1-17. I said, Mom, this is over a month old. And when it's supposed to, she said, well, it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you. So please, I don't know if there's a life group, if somebody can move her one step closer to some of her culinary uh, situations. Please, please help me out. I want her to stay around. I called my sister. Um, many of you know I'm the youngest of three. We were born and raised in this, raised by my mom. Uh, after my dad died when I was nine years old. And so my sister and I try to keep up with my mom. So I call, I said, Deb, I said, I've changed my prayers. I'm, I was normally concerned that, that somehow my mom's going to fall down the steps someday. And just, you know, it's just going to, I said, Deb, I do not worry about mom dying from falling down the steps anymore. I worry about food poison's going to take her. She just, <laughs> she's not paying attention to what's in that fridge. And so Please, on behalf of me, the Assemblies of God, my men, would someone just take her under her wing and try to help her in this area? I would appreciate that so much. Hey, take your copy of God's Word, please, and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. It's a privilege to join in the conversation that uh, this church has had in these gatherings the last two weeks on one word. I had the privilege of watching a little bit uh, Pastor Ron's message a couple weeks ago, Pastor Brian's message a couple weeks ago, all centering around one word, kind of what's that one word as we go into 2018. So I thought I would pick up on this theme and talk to us this morning from Scripture on the word change. Change. You know, it's one thing to recognize our need for change. It's another thing to allow the Lord to do the change in our lives. We've all come to those times in our life when we need to change, we need to take more control of a situation, or we need to let go of certain things, to let God deal with those issues in our life that maybe keep us from, from all that he has for us or becoming all that he wants us to be. 
And here's what I have discovered. God always wants to do more in us. Maybe even more than we allow him or think he can. After all, Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 12, To all of them who believed and received, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. In other words, at salvation, that's, it doesn't just stop. God wants to continue to work out his will, his purposes in your life. But the problem is when we talk about change, when we talk about spiritual development, we have to deal with this word and this activity called ruts. R-U-T-S. Anybody ever been in a rut? A rut is one of those monotonous routines, a pattern or a habit that just sort of lacks vitality, it lacks energy. Now, ruts aren't necessarily sin, but they are these unproductive patterns of living that I don't believe God has ever designed for us to live in. I mean, think about it. There's all kinds of ruts. There's emotional ruts. Ruts of like anxiety and fear and low self-esteem and, and maybe uncontrolled anger. There are physical ruts, fatigue, poor eating habits, procrastination. There's also spiritual ruts, prayerlessness, criticism, doubt, an unforgiving spirit. And I would submit to us in this gathering this morning that God doesn't want you and I to live in these ruts, these monotonous routines, these unproductive patterns of life, but he wants to produce change in our lives. He wants us to discover what is his divine purposes for our life. Now, as a side note, it's my conviction that people often choose to live in ruts. They don't allow God to bring change in their life, really for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't want to get out of the rut. And can I tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. To actually like being a negative person and not wanting to change, that's a dangerous place to be. The second thing I've discovered about people who are in ruts is they don't know how to get out of the rut. The fact of the matter is, not only do they not know how, they can't. You see, you need God's help. Because it's our own efforts that put us in that rut, and most of the time it's not our own efforts that will get out of that rut, it's the help of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this morning, we're going to look at the miracle that happened in Bartimaeus' life. When you come to Mark chapter 10, we meet this guy by the name of Bartimaeus who experienced a, a transforming change, a real miracle, if you please. And the same Jesus that brought about a miracle in Bartimaeus' life, I believe, is the same Jesus who wants to help you experience change in your life. Let's pick our reading up at verse 46. If you have your copy of Scripture, follow along. If not, we'll throw it up on the screen. The Bible says, they, then they came to Jericho, <clears throat> and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stopped and said, hey, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet, he's calling you. Now notice verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, 
That's really important. We're going to come back to that in a couple of minutes. But throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up onto his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. <laughs> the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Five principles that I think Bartimaeus demonstrates that we can look at and learn from as it relates to allowing the Lord to bring about change in our life. Principle number one, if you're going to see deep and long-term change in your life, number one, you've got to take personal responsibility for your own situation. You've got to take personal responsibility for your own situation. Look at verse 47. The Bible says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. You say, Doug, what's your point here? Bartimaeus assumed responsibility for his own situation. Now watch this. He didn't wait for somebody else to shout for him. He assumed responsibility for his situation. And isn't it amazing how often people who find themselves in less than desirable situations never change because they don't assume personal responsibility. In fact, they usually blame it on... If my spouse were just more, well, if I earned their wages, if my boss were just more, if we had more, if I were in charge, come on, can I tell you, if you've got a problem, the issue is not how you got there, whether it's a bad job, bad marriage, or bad health, but how are you going to get out of that? And you'll never get out of your situation if you're always looking to blame where you are on somebody else. And it's so amazing how, how we pick that up in human nature, even at an early age. I, I, I kind of witnessed this this last holiday season with my grandkids. Now, I'm into this grandparenting thing. We have five grandchildren the ages five and under in our home. And uh, any grandparents in the house, can I see your hand? Any grandparents? Yes. Isn't it true? Have you discovered grandkids really are God's reward for not killing your own? I mean... <laughs> It's awesome. I am, I am really enjoying this grandparenting thing left and right. Well, at Christmas time, Allie, the five-year-old who, uh, who got a little electric piano for Christmas, just, that was the gift. Boy, she would just play the piano, and she, she, could, she would bounce a few keys, but she would also hit a pre-program key, and just having fun playing the piano, picking it up pretty good, and just right there, and uh, later in the day, we were in the room. I said, I said, Allie, why don't you go play me a song? And so she, she went up to play, but her little brother, four-year-old Jackson, who is just loves to kind of be four and loves to always, he kind of ran up and just stood right next to her. So she put her hand, and then she just looked at Jackson. She wouldn't play. I said, Allie, play something. She looked at Jackson. She, she wouldn't play. Finally, she turned around. She said, Papa. I could play this piano if Jackson weren't standing right there. <laughs> and I think of how many times, church, we don't take personal responsibility for our own situation. Don't wait to work on your relationship after papers have been served. 
Don't wait to taking studying seriously after you've been placed on academic probation. Don't wait till after your nerves break down before you start dealing with, with, with your own anxiety. Take responsibility for your own situation. If you need change, don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Bartimaeus shouted himself to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a second principle demonstrated with uh, Bartimaeus and him receiving his miracle, his real change, and that's this. Don't wait for the ideal time. Don't wait for the ideal time. Look at verse 46. It says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. You know, I wonder how many times we miss an opportunity for God to work about real change, sustained change in our lives, because we're waiting for the ideal time. You say, Doug, what's your point here? My point is this. The Bible says that there was a large crowd that had gathered. In other words, it wasn't an ideal setting for one-on-one ministry. And you think about it, Bartimaeus could have said something like this, hey, there's way too many people here. He wouldn't hear me if I shouted to him. (laughs) How many of you know that's classic rationalization? Bartimaeus could have said, well, there's too many people here. They might judge me if I try to come up and, 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 and tell Jesus I need it. Boy, that's classic pride. Bartimaeus could have said, well, he's almost out of the city. I'll wait till he comes back through the city the next time before I ask for help. Ooh, that's classic procrastination. Now watch this. It might interest you to know that was the last time Jesus ever passed through Jericho. So had Bartimaeus waited for the ideal time to let the Lord work about change in his life, He probably would have been blind the rest of his life. And I guess what I would say to you this morning is that the setting for change is not always in ideal circumstances. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. The perfect setting for change to take place in your life is when you realize the need for change. And if you're looking and waiting for an ideal time, you may miss it. And the good news this morning, all throughout the Psalms, and in fact, Jeremiah says in Lamentations that he cried out to the Lord and the Lord rescued him. Do a research sometime in the book of Psalms and find out how many times David or the psalmist said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry. Can I tell you, we serve a God who delights in rescuing us. He delights in ministering to us. He delights in divinely intervening in our lives but we got to cry out to him. And I've learned this great confidence that as you cry out to the Lord, the Bible says he will incline his ear to your request. It's kind of like my grandson Jackson. The four-year-old in our grandson tribe is, uh, knows already how to take his mom's cell phone and FaceTime me. You have any grandkids that FaceTime you? And so generally, when I see a FaceTime call coming in from Jackson, I'm 
I pop it, and I look there, and I say, Pop! I see Jackson, and he usually, Papa, Papa, and I say, Hey, Jackson, how are you? And generally, the routine is this. He sneaks it away from his mom. He goes into his bedroom, and we have a talk with the lined-up dinosaurs that are there. He shows me his Spider-Man pajamas a little bit. We have this conversation. I mean, it's, it's wonderful in the middle of the day just to get a FaceTime call from my four-year-old grandson, Jackson. A few weeks ago, I saw the phone buzzing. It was my daughter's phone. I thought, okay, this is Jackson. I hit the button and I said, Jackson, how are you? And he had this concerned look on his face. These tears were coming out. Papa, Papa, he said, please come rescue me. Rescue me. <laughs> now to appreciate the story and that cry for rescue, let me put it in context. His mom, my daughter, got it in her mind that if she were to change his diet a little bit, it would help his attention span. So she put this four-year-old kid on a vegan, gluten-free diet. I'm telling you, blended avocados don't compare to Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies, okay? And so when he was saying, Papa, rescue, I knew what he needed. In fact, I knew so much. I said, Jackson, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I disconnected the phone. I got in the truck. I went and got Jackson. We immediately got in the truck. We went through the drive-thru at Sonic Drive-In. We got some loaded cheesy fries and a strawberry limeade. I'm telling you, that boy needed rescued. And life was good. And Jackson knew that if he cried out to Papa, I would hear and rescue him. Come on, the perfect setting for change to take place is when you realize you need to change. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till collectors start calling and coming to town to deal with your Deal with your finances now. You don't have to wait for some healing crusade to come to town. If you have a physical need in your life, the Bible says let your requests be made known and the peace of God and the healing of God will come to you. Bartimaeus, had he waited for a more ideal time, may have missed his miracle. That leads me to a third principle in Bartimaeus' miracle that I think has relevance in our life, and that's this. Don't worry about what others will think or say when you start on a change process. Don't worry. Don't, don't get held hostage by other people's perception. You say, where do you pick that up, Doug? Well, look at verse 48. Many rebuked him. He was crying out, Jesus, son of David. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. Watch this. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, if you're ever going to truly change, then you can't worry about what people are going to say or think about your situation. Again, I find it interesting, if Bartimaeus would have listened to his peers, he would have never made connection with Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not advocating that we ignore wise counsel. I'm not advocating that we don't talk to some people about our issues and, and get some wisdom from them. But at some point, when you recognize your need for change, you've got to ask yourself, who am I going to listen to, my peers or God? And I promise you, God's counsel to you will always be stronger than your peers' counsel to you. 
It'll always be right. I love how Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11 puts it. The Bible says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. So come on, Bethany, at some point, don't let pride, don't let worrying about what other people are going to think or say, keep you from doing and knowing what is right. Some of you need marriage counseling. Get it, regardless of what other people think. Some of you need professional help with some controlling habits in your life. Get it. Some of you need to break off a relationship. Break it off. Some of you need to clean out your refrigerator every now and then. Just do it. <laughs> Incline, watch this. Incline your ear to the Lord. For Isaiah 55, 3 says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Come on, don't you dare not initiate the process of putting yourself in a position to have God produce change in your life because you're afraid of what other people think or may say. There's a fourth principle lived out in Bartimaeus' miracle that I think speaks to us this morning, and that's this. Sometimes you just have to step out, be bold, and trust God. You just have to step out, be bold, trust God. Look at verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, hey, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet, he's calling you. You know, in my life, in perhaps in yours as well. I'm afraid at times we play it way too safe when it comes to trusting God. We don't want to take that ultimate step of faith. I'm, I'm, I'm really not talking about stupidity as much as I'm talking about dependency. I mean really trusting God. You see this in Bartimaeus, verse 51. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And, and, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I mean, he could have said, you know, hey, I, 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 I just would like you to do something for me, or hey, would you, would you just bless me a little bit? Would you touch me? But no, he was really specific. He was desperate. He said, I want to see, and that desperation turned to action, for notice what he did. The Bible says he threw his cloak aside. That's an interesting point. Don't miss this teaching point here. It's almost as if Bartimaeus is saying, Bartimaeus is saying, you know what? I don't think I'm going to need this anymore. And when you think about it, for a blind beggar, that cloak represented his personal security. It kept him warm and cool nights. It kept him comfortable when he was sitting on the ground. And yet there was this desperation in his voice that said, I want to see, and so he threw his cloak aside, letting go of that which was comfortable to him, letting go of that which was secure for him, and with desperation he came to Jesus. I mean, there was no reservation. He, you, you don't see where he says, you know, I'll just kind of find my way up there, and if supernaturally the Lord notices me, then I'll take it for the will of the Lord. I'll take that as the will of God. Huh, no reservation. 
There was no hesitation. He, he, you don't see in the scripture where he says, well, should I or shouldn't I? I mean, again, what would my peers think? You don't get a sense that he was justifying. Watch this. You never read where Bartimaeus says, well, what would happen if I go up and he prays for me and I don't get healed? That's justification. No rationalization, no hesitation, no just, just pure desperation. I'm going to throw my cloak aside. I'm going to come to the Lord and say, I want to see. I don't think he was being cocky. I think he was just confidence that if he could get an audience with Jesus, Jesus would produce life change in him. He could produce a miracle. And Bethany, that's where we need to land. Total dependency, total confidence in God. You say, Pastor Clay, I'm really worried about my future. Well, you know, that worry turns into a lot of manipulation. And let me ask you, who would you rather trust in your future? A God who's already in your future? Or an accountability group that's just going to give you counsel from their perspective? Again, I'm not, trying to dis- I'm not trying to discredit wise counsel and associate, but some point when it comes to real change, when it comes taking that step of dependency, we've got to say, you know what? I trust a God who's already in my future with my future. It's that sense of dependency. It's that sense. And just maybe God wants to do something in your life, but he's waiting for you to allow him to do it. He's waiting for you to allow him to do it. Again, I learned or saw this kind of in living color over the holidays with my two grandkids, particularly the two older ones. They got scooters for Christmas. So the four and five-year-old got these little scooters. Well, we had a cold Christmas holiday, and our offices at the national office were closed. So one afternoon, I decided to take Jackson and Allie, the the four and the five-year-old, up to the office because nobody would be there and let them scoot. Man, let them scoot the hall. We have about 200,000 square feet under roof between the administration building as well as then the the plant and, and the publishing area. And nobody was there. Nobody, so, so it was an awesome time for them to kind of scoot and them to kind of move around. And we went to the basement and we went up. But from the crosswalk, from the administration building to where our world missions offices are, there's this crosswalk. And halfway through the crosswalk, there's a, there's a slope. It goes down. So I said, you guys, let me take you somewhere. We got off and they were there with their scooters, and I said, let's try it. And really hesitant, so Jackson, the, the courageous, adventurous little guy, starts on it and gets going down, and he puts his, and he's riding, he's, and he, he gets to the end, oh, that was awesome, he runs back up, and so I go down, and Allie, the one who's a little more cautious, you could tell, you could tell, she wanted to. She saw Jackson having so much fun. It was speed like she hadn't experienced before. She wanted to, but every time she'd, she'd stop, every time, and I kept saying, Allie, just just put your foot on the screen. Allie, just take Allie, just. And I couldn't. Finally, when I convinced her, it's okay. You'll really, she did it. And if you could have seen the expression of joy on her face, the confidence, and then the turnaround and wanting to keep doing it. But Allie had to get to a place where she would finally just lift her right foot up and put it on the back of the scooter and trust that she wasn't going to wipe out. And I think sometimes we either got to take God at his word or not. When God says, look, I'll supply your needs according to my riches and glory, then honor all of the financial principles that he talks about. 
When God talks about having the ability to not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, let the Holy Spirit do that. When God tells us in his word that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, then take him at his word. See, sometimes it's up to us. God does want to produce change. God does want, but I think sometimes we have to just step out, be bold, and take a step. That leads me to a fifth principle represented by Bartimaeus in this, um, the miracle that he experienced, and that's this. Once you changed, once you've been changed, stay changed. Once you've been changed, just stay changed. Look at verse 52. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. It might interest you to know, nowhere else in Scripture do you ever find that Bartimaeus went back to begging. All right? He didn't go back to begging. He didn't go back to his old way of living. He didn't go back to that rut type living. And there are times, friends, when when God delivers people, he touches people, and then they fail to live or walk or just kind of do life in the victory or the deliverance that God has done for them. And for some of you, you need to hear this word this morning. If God helps you to change, don't go back to your old way of living. Stay changed. If he brings you out of Egypt, don't go back. Oh, the temptation will be there. That's why you've got to feed your faith. That's why you've got to feed your hope and starve your doubt. Because there's an enemy of your soul that doesn't like the long-term result of you experiencing change. And so he's going to tempt you. He's going to bring people along your way. That's why you need a community of believers like Bethany Assembly to come and to worship the Lord. And you need to get in growth groups. Why? Because the temptation to want to go back to the old way of life will always be there. And you never find that in Bartimaeus. I've watched way too many people as a pastor... <laughs> They come to an understanding of trust and confidence. Okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do. And, and God begins to bless and move and produce change only to see them turn around and go right back to some of their old patterns and old thought processes of living. Come on, listen to what the word of the Lord says. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion into the day of Jesus Christ. I love how the message translation puts it. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Jesus Christ appears. Isn't that cool? That's, that's what God can do. You've got to let him complete and continue that great work. You say, how do I do that? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Number one, you've got to keep yourself in the word of God. David said in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Secondly, you've got to keep yourself in relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. For if anyone who doesn't remain in me, he's kind of like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire and burned. And maybe that's how some of you feel. You you feel like you've been used, abused, and burned. And Jesus says, that's what happens to people who disassociate themselves from me. 
But if you remain in me and my words in you, look at the last sentence. Jesus said, look, I told you this so that your joy may be complete and that my joy in you may be complete. How would you like to live 2018 by having your joy and his joy in you be totally complete? Wow. You got to keep yourself surrounded by other fresh and alive Christians. Solomon said two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Can I tell you, that's why we do a gathering like this. Church is not a religious obligation for some denomination. You want to know what? You can go online and find great teaching. You can go online and fight great worship. But there's something about being together as the body of Christ. There's something about gathering together in community of faith. There's a, there's, there, there, there's a proactive connectivity that happens when we encourage one another while it's yet called day. And you've got to keep yourself filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Paul said, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, and, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So all of these things are what God will do for us. But now, watch what you need to do for yourself. Keep your old nature crucified. Keep the old self crucified. You say, well, what do you mean, Doug? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that when we're in Christ, we become new creatures. The old is gone, the new has come. That's his responsibility. That's what salvation does. That's what grace does in our life. But after we're saved, look at what our responsibility is in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's how. That's how you stay changed. You can't do it in sheer willpower. You need supernatural assistance that can only come from the Word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the community of believers like this. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. Watch this. He seized his moment. And I just ask you this morning, maybe, maybe today it's your moment. I said this earlier to the staff as we were having prayer. You know, not all Sundays are created equal. God orchestrates these gatherings to, to speak and to produce change and encouragement in our lives. And Paul, Paul admits something. The Apostle Paul admits, some, admits something really cool in Romans chapter 7. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. That's coming right after he says, oh man, I know to do good. The things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I don't do, I end up doing. And he, he goes, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? And that's really the question, isn't it? Isn't there anybody who can do anything for me? I want to pause while that scripture's up there and just ask you this question. Have you figured it out yet that a lot of times we are our own worst enemy? It's our own reactions. It's our own fears. It's our own inadequacies. It's our own... Uh, foolish ways. And I'll speak from personal experience. You know, there's a lot of times I just need to be saved from myself. 
Because when I go through difficult times, when I go through things in life that I can't seem to figure out, if I'm not careful, I will have a tendency to want to listen to myself rather than the truth of God's Word. And I don't know about you, but myself lies to me at times. Myself doesn't always tell me the truth. But now watch, because Paul, who said these words, I don't know, can anybody help me? He writes this, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Now watch the very next verse, 25. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. That's the answer. Jesus Christ can and does. So what happens is you may be looking for both salvation and change in all of the wrong places. And that's why you get frustrated. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for, for God to do something. And you've been looking in all of the wrong places. And I'll tell you what I told the first service this morning. The answer to when you feel like Paul, I'm at the end of my rope. I know I need to change, but I don't know how to do it. Is there anybody that can help? The answer is not in a place. It's not in a program. It's not in a pill. It's not in some, an association. The answer is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. And this morning, the invitation to all of us here, whether you've yet to make a commitment to Christ, we're inviting you to take one step closer and experience His love. Maybe you are a Christ follower, but you found yourself already in 2018 back in a rut. One of those monotonous patterns of living that are unproductive and the enemy's playing head game. Come on, I want you to take a step closer and follow the principles of Bartimaeus and say, you know what, I'm going to take personal responsibility for this. I'm going to let go of my personal securities and my comfort, and I'm going to run to Jesus without hesitation, without rationalization, without justification, and I'm going to just say, I want to, and you fill in the brain. So the cool thing is, is Jesus is no respecter of person. The same miraculous work that he accomplished to a blind man named Bartimaeus is the same miracle that he wants to do in your life this morning. So the one word, change. And it's one thing to recognize your need for change. It's another thing to let the Lord produce change in your life. Hey, let's pray. God, I want to thank you today for the, uh, just the relevancy of your word. Thank you that a miracle that took place that's recorded in the scriptures has a lot of life application for us living in the 21st century. These principles, Lord, aren't rocket science, but it is interesting how often not following these principles keep us from an inability to experience change. So, Lord, I'm not interested in just talking about change because it's a buzzword at the beginning of the year. I'm interested in talking about change that allows us to come into that sweet spot of living where we know, okay, this is why you created us. This is what 
you have for our life. These are those good deeds that Paul talked about in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that you've prepared in advance for us to do. So today, Lord, I pray that all of us in this room would open ourselves up to you and to the Holy Spirit to produce change in us so that we become the people of God you've redeemed us and or want us to live after our salvation. I'm just going to ask you for a minute to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed before we transition. If you've come to the gathering today, and I suspect there may be two groups of people in this auditorium. One, you're here, and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Oh, you know a lot about Christianity. You know the people. You have relatives. You may even... you. you you know a lot of people, you've come, you feel comfortable, you know when to stand, when to shake hands, you even know some of the songs, but if you're honest today, you would say, you know, Pastor Clay, I've never come to that place where I've invited Christ into my life and I live with the assurance that my sins have been forgiven and that I'm a part of His adopted family. You know a lot about God, you've heard a lot of scriptures, you grow. But if you're honest, you would say, Pastor, please, would you include me in your final prayer? Um, I don't live with that assurance. And I'm tired of trying to produce change in my life by myself. I recognize that it's got to start by sealing the deal and becoming a born-again Christ follower. Not just someone who hangs out around Christianity, but allows Jesus to live inside of me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. But if you're here this morning and you'd say, Doug Clay, would you remember me in your concluding prayer? I want to discover the Lord. I want to live with the assurance that if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I'm tired of the enemy always just sabotaging me with guilt for my past and guilt for not having the ability to overcome certain... Today, Pastor Clay, at the beginning of this 2018, I am interested and taking one step closer and starting a fresh start with God. So if that describes you while everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand and look at me? Because I want to, like, include you in my final prayer. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. Yeah, thank you, sir. God bless you. Someone, yeah, thanks. Someone else join these three adults and say, hey, I want to, yeah, thank you. God bless you. Cool. I'm not, I know we want to be manipulative. I just want, I just want you to know, it's outside. If if willpower could do it, we would all exercise willpower. (laughs) If friendships could do it, we'd all... God doesn't waste energy. He wouldn't have provided a Savior if we didn't need a Savior. He wouldn't have sent us the Holy Spirit if we didn't need... But we do. And part of change that will happen in your life is when you invite Christ into your life and say, okay, I want you to be Lord and Savior. Anybody else join these five individuals say, Pastor Clay, please include me in your final prayer. I, I want to start it out with him. I want, to, I, I want to take one step closer to knowing that I know I belong to him and he belongs to me. Cool. Here's what I, oh, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I'm glad I waited. So here's what I want to do. I want to lead us in a prayer. It's just a real simple prayer. It's a prayer that maybe a lot of us have prayed in times past. But today it's for six individuals who are saying, you know what? I'm tired of living beneath the purposes that God has for me. I'm tired of living in this rut. And today is the day that I want to seal the deal and become 
a Christ follower. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me. It's a simple prayer that acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, that we're a sinner, we can't save ourselves, and we invite him to come into our lives. And if you looked at me, and you really meant when our eyes, this prayer's for you, but I'm going to ask the other members of the gathering to pray it with me so that you'll feel our strength and our support around you. Come on, Bethany, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came from heaven to earth to show me how to live and to die for my sins. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and establish yourself as my Savior and my Lord. So with my mouth I confess and in my heart I believe that you are the way the truth and the life. I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, congratulations. 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 You know, I, I can't promise you that walking out that door, all of a sudden your circumstances are going to change. I I can't. That's a false gospel. Life's for real. You're, you're, you're going to face what you've been faced, but here's what I can promise you. Number one, you've now invited Christ to come into your life, and I'm telling you, you can trust him more than you think. <laughs> you really can. There's no past so bad he can't forgive. And secondly, you're now a part of an incredible family. It's called the family of God. This family here at Bethany, take it from personal experience, kind of knows how to influence somebody's life. <laughs> I feel like in my life, my life has already exceeded my dreams. Not because of lucky breaks, not because, oh, hey, a vote, <laughs> not because of a slick resume, just simply because growing up in this church, I had Sunday school teachers like Galen Engel who would pray for me and say things like, you know, Dougie, God's got his hand on your life. I had spiritual leaders that week after week after week would say things like, you know, it's obvious God's got his hand on your life. And sooner or later, I bought into that. And I started trusting God. And it's been a wonderful journey to see the path that the Lord has laid out for you. So again, I can't change your past, and neither can God. But he can script a beautiful future for you as you trust him. So on this Sunday, yeah, that's a good place to clap. So on this Sunday, as we focus on this one word change, would you? Allow the Lord to produce the kind of change in your life that he wants to produce. Hey, God bless you, Pastor. Man, what a great word. Uh, 
You know, when you think about what God's doing in and through our church, and you think about the impact of our church body, one thing that I get excited about is this idea of change. First, Gavin, as I was sitting there listening to the message, I was thinking about change, and I was thinking about how sometimes um, in our lives, things that don't change, what ends up happening is, is they begin to, to become almost stagnant. And when, when things become stagnant, it's almost like death can then come upon them. But when things are changing, they're growing. And, and as a church body, we're growing. Personally, we're growing. We're growing in our marriages. We're growing in our finances. We're growing in all these different areas. And, and we want to help you on the journey. And so if you're one of those, the six people who raised your hand today, or maybe you prayed that prayer, but you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, man, I know I believe that in my heart. We want to walk that journey with you. So in the seat pocket in front of you is a connect card. And what I want to encourage you to do is to take that card out, and I want you just to put your name on it. If you could just put a phone number or an email, and then on the bottom of it, there's a what's your next step. And you can mark on there, uh, I just started my relationship with Christ. Some of you, maybe it was I'm renewing my commitment to Christ, whichever one it is. I want you to mark that box, and then what I want you to do is after this gathering here in just a moment, I want you to either bring it up front to one of our prayer team members and they would be happy to pray with you or take it back to the kiosk because we don't want you to walk this journey alone. We don't believe that God has ever asked us to walk it alone. In fact, from the very beginning, he said it's not good for man to be alone. We want to walk this journey with you and believe that God has great plans for your life and we want to help you in that. God is doing great things here at Bethany. We hope that you'll join us here this Wednesday at 6.30. We have something for everyone from the remix for kids to, or, I mean, remix for students to Bethany kids uh, downstairs. Um, and just God is doing some great things. It's going to be a great time this Wednesday, as well as next Sunday. You can join us at 9 or 11. But I also just want to make note, and you saw it on the video, but please save the date for Football Sunday. It's the Super Bowl, and uh, I know we still don't know who's going to be in it and everything, but but want to encourage you to join us that Sunday. It's going to be a phenomenal time. Start talking to your friends about it. We'll have a big tailgating and hot dogs and all that good stuff. If you know how we do things, we do it upright. It's going to be a phenomenal Sunday. We'll have football clips and stuff, and it'll be great. So we'd love to have you guys there. Um, the prayer team will be down at the altars here after the gathering. They'd love to pray with you. If you have a need in your life, We'd love to walk with you, pray with you, believe God to do the miraculous. And, and that's one of the things. We don't, we don't say we'll just pray for you later. We take time to pray for you now. So God bless. We love you. We hope to see you next week.